0: Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Who Runs the Rec World. This is the podcast that delves into the lives of females within the recruitment industry in order to understand what it takes and what journeys you have to go on to become a successful female in the industry. Today, I'm joined by Mel Venner. Um, she has spent over 10 years in the recruitment industry and has recently opened up her own business and is a performance consultant. Um, but Mel, if you could introduce yourself to the listeners in a bit more detail, that'd be great. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I am Mel. Um, I am director of instinct performance. Um, My background is I started out in neuroscience. um, And then um, my first ever job, my entire professional career has been within the recruitment sphere. So I started out at S3 and was a top biller there. Got the opportunity to go out um, and work in Australia quite early on. Um, I've worked in a variety of different markets and models and industries within recruitment. Um, I got into learning and development and training um, because I just felt like we could do so much better um, mm-hmm. with, when it comes to recruitment training specifically and then I delved into the world of organizational design and development because I started to understand that actually it's the systems and processes in the environment that that training goes into that makes the biggest difference. So that's basically why I started Instinct um, because uh, we can do better as an industry. I love this industry Um, and that's it really.
0: Fantastic, brilliant. So um, I mean sounds like a I guess going from, you know, neuroscience into recruitment to being a business owner. <laughs> it sounds like a really interesting journey. So um to to kind of kick us off, talk to me about how you actually got into the industry and how you went from neuroscience to recruitment, I guess.
1: Yeah, it wasn't um a natural, I definitely wasn't a kid going, right, this is the plan. Um it was a graduate Rat rack actually, okay. who got me. Hadn't considered recruitment at all. I had a, um my impression of recruitment was like high street recruitment with like the little cards in the windows. Yeah. And I thought yeah. it was maybe a bit like being a travel agent, maybe I had no idea what it was. So this rectorex sold me the dream and obviously went in with S3, this massive global company and all of the incentives. Yeah. And I told like my friends and family and they thought it sounded like a pyramid scheme. They were like, it's a scam. (laughs) No way. You know, you've just come out of uni and they're telling you, you can earn all of this money. Like, um, but he set up interviews with all of the the brands that were in Manchester and um, I started at Huxley at 21. That was it. (laughs) The rest is history.
0: Brilliant and I mean in regards to what what was your thoughts because I'm assuming did you study neuroscience then and then this grad rector suggested you know recruitment to you. What was your thoughts initially and um, were you worried about it not being within the neuroscience field or you know what appealed to you?
1: So definitely so I my degree was actually a biomedical science degree and then I just got obsessed with neuroscience when we started okay. looking at it and and um so I was always a really annoying kid, I think I still am to a degree, who <laughs> needs to understand why things work, like why when I put my mascara yeah. on do I open my mouth? Why do I feel so hungover? Like what's happening? So it interested me and I loved it. But then when I started to look at the jobs and careers that you could do with that with that yeah. knowledge, I didn't want to be stuck in a lab with test tubes i can talk for england so i was kind of just looking at almost a little bit too late what i actually enjoy and what i could do with it after uni um and so this wreck to wreck fair play to them but you know they really tapped into you know you uh, are interested in why and 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 yeah. really having a deeper understanding and you get to do that with recruitment and, and my first impression was you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole here it's nothing to do with anything I'm interested yeah. in but actually I mean my first desk was an engineering desk so I could okay. just geek out and be like whoa why why did <laughs> we do that what, yeah. can you draw me a diagram and I actually became obsessed with it and the neuroscience both in the recruitment and in the learning and development has helped me massively because I can understand behavior why do people do what they do it made me a lot better at influencing people consulting with people understanding how to relay information and the best ways and formats to. To sort of get what I wanted, so yeah. um, it was really useful. Uh, but I, I, I kind of stumbled upon that by accident.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people fall into recruitment, don't they? And uh, it's not. Not something that um yeah, as you said, you, you don't kind of grow up thinking I want to be a recruitment consultant, but um it's a, a fantastic career to fall into, I always say. So um so talk to me about you said your first desk was sort of engineering, um, what was the the market like? Um, what was your experience, you know, starting out um, as a recruitment consultant like?
1: Um it was an eye-opening definitely it was an oil and gas desk which was um and it was at the height of the oil and gas boom okay very very i mean not just male dominated but like the kinds of characters and personalities that gravitated towards that industry um i stuck out like a sore thumb um (laughs) particularly going up to aberdeen like so i would um, go up to Aberdeen on a regular basis and kind of work between Manchester and and, and North East Scotland.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I'm not going to lie, I think, you know, I was definitely a novelty. Um, uh, <laughs> like, for, yeah. for sure, I just didn't really fit the mould of like the yeah. candidates and the clients that I was speaking yeah. to. It was very male dominated, for sure.
0: And what impact did that have? I mean, did it have a, a negative effect? Did it have a positive effect?
1: In all honesty, and I don't know whether this is like, you know, the, the right thing to say, but being really frank, I think it actually gave me a benefit. I think it gave me an advantage because, you know, I think I was a breath of fresh air. Most of the people that were in that industry, either as candidates or clients are in recruitment, they were all cut from the same cloth. Yeah. And so I kind of come in this you know, Northern woman with, you know, um, you know, and bear in mind 21, quite young, didn't yeah, look, yeah. sound anything like anybody else in that, uh, in that industry. So I think it actually did me a lot of favors. There was a lot of curiosity and novelty yeah. factor, but at the same time, Sometimes I did sense that and it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable, Um, you know, and I kind of felt like, you know, God, have I sold my soul to the devil here? Because I'm sort of (laughs) can see, you know, the way that I was looked at going into these meetings and you can sort of feel the eyes burning into you. So sometimes I was very aware of it. But on the whole, I think, you know, it it definitely didn't hurt my billings.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. And what was the actual company like at the time? So I know you said it was a male kind of dominated industry. What about the actual company that you were in? Was that was that also male dominated or?
1: I was quite lucky. So my first boss was um, a, a female. Um, yeah. The top pillar on the team was a woman as well. So I had really yeah. strong role models um, within the oil and gas team sort of showing me yeah. how, you know, how it could be done. But I definitely pushed a few noses out of joint i think particularly when i started to do well and okay. when i was younger definitely i would kind of like pretend i didn't hear the banter pretend it didn't right. really bother me pretend that i wasn't aware you know people would sort of be whispering about like you know oh who she sleeping with to get that account kind of yeah. levels of things yeah. so i would pretend i didn't hear it or it didn't bother me but like of course it of course it did yeah so
0: and- how did you have to um i would say adapt but i guess you'd not been in a working environment before that so i guess probably did did it seem normal to you at the time or um you know did you have to i guess develop a bit of a thick skin or
1: well this is one of the things that i would say like diversity can be a strength because my upbringing was quite an untraditional upbringing so i had teen parents um multiple um my background is very very mixed so not just from um like my heritage but different cultures i've got caribbean and french and irish i was the first person in my family to go to university so i sort of went into this world and then come back and no one could really relate to it so what i would say is before I'd even stepped foot in the workplace, I was very used to being the only person like me in a room. So that was a really good thing because otherwise I would have sensed that I was different and yeah. assumed there was something wrong. Yeah. Whereas going into it, I kind of knew how to, how to deal with it. But one thing that really did bother me was um, it was an award ceremony that I went to And I knew that I'd done very well, but this particular award ceremony was all of the different regions and people from different offices. So people don't necessarily know who you are. Um, And there were a group of guys there and they very assumptively, they were like, okay, so you're an admin then. And the insinuation was like, Oh, you should be lucky. You know that you've been invited, you know, and it's for billers only, and oh, you've got your free drink, your free bar, and then um, I know, I know. So I'm just like again, like oh, and um, that award ceremony, I, I was the top contract uh, rookie for all of the regions, and in, in and they read out my billings, and you know, I was one of the most successful people in the room, Amazing. and the look on their faces when I got that award and they realized it was me, made me want to do well beyond any reasonable doubt. I was addicted then to making sure that, you know, the proof was in the pudding and that's what recruitment yeah. can give you. The, the, there's comfort in numbers. You can't yes. argue with them. So you know, to quote Beyonce, as I do often, um, <laughs> you know, the best revenge was my paper. The best revenge was being stood there and just having to listen to the MD yeah. read out all of the things that I'd done and you couldn't Absolutely. argue with it. So,
0: And did that change? So did that change people's perceptions of you? I know you said, obviously, um, towards the beginning, there was a lot of kind of comments that you, kind of just dismissed or ignored did you know being on that stage and being put as one of the top billers did that change people's opinions and was you know did the comments kind of finish after that or was it still you know more of the same
1: I think it definitely helped so because of the platform and because it was so public um what I definitely found were the comments from the guys stopped. And the thing that I loved the most was that I then started to get women from different brands who we were meant to be competing against each other, but they would come up to me and be like, okay, so, you know, how are you doing this? Can, you know, I'm struggling with this. And so women started to gravitate towards me and I yeah. love that because rather than seeing each other as like competition yeah. and being like oh bitch like how she done that Yeah. um like I I started to, to yeah I guess I'd earned respect and I should have had Absolutely. it from the start anyway you should yeah. you don't need to be yeah. top build and get respect but I think it yeah. it definitely helped.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean it's I mean, it's great what you did. And I, I, yeah, I would have loved to see the look on people's faces after saying, Are you admin? and then, and then hearing about your success. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's bad that you had to do that to gain that level of respect in the first place. Um, um, and, and, and,
1: and further than that, if I had been an admin, like i've been in recruitment long enough they make the world go round like try and run a recruitment business without people who are on it like and making sure that the yeah. the place doesn't crumble and fall like they're the pillars Absolutely. of it so the disdain that they they you know they had that you know even if you know i had been that like well that meant that i didn't deserve to be in the room that i didn't deserve to to be there so I'd like to think the industry's moved on a lot yeah. since then, but, you know.
0: No, absolutely. So so where did your career take you after that then?
1: So after that, um, I went off to Perth. I went off to Australia. So I was 23. Um, no mortgage, no kids, no, no ties. And, um, yeah, I had this opportunity. They were very new at setting up their contract business. They were very okay. established with perm but they wanted a good strong contract biller with resources background um and obviously this had put me onto their map um and i remember at the time i had boyfriend and i was just kind of like i'm going are you coming you can come (laughs) if you want but like i'm going Mum, dad see you later it wasn't even a question. Yeah. They were just like they were gonna sort out the visa and everything. So I was just like, never been to Australia before, didn't know a single yeah. person, but just said, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm yeah, gonna yeah, do yeah. it.
0: Opportunity, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And what did I mean? How long were you in Australia for then? And you know, where did your career go? So what level were you bought in at in in Perth?
1: So I went over as a senior con, I think. Um, I was there for about two years. Um, What I would say is I had an amazing start. um, And I did some, like, some of the best memories I have are, you know, I remember our AGM that year was in Bali. And it was a a white party and everyone was dressed in white. And I had this amazing dress and I jumped in a pool and I ruined my hair and makeup, but it was just this amazing, like, experience. Um and we grew um the desk there were people from other parts of S3 England had come over, but there were people um obviously from like the local area and so culturally I thought, yeah, I know how to recruit, but little things like um ghosting, like I found that in the market, rather than people um rejecting you or saying you're too expensive or we don't want to work with you, would just disappear off the face of the earth um so culturally trying to pick up on like you know the 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 sales cycle and how people like to do business was a big opportunity and i and i managed to win some and and manage some big regional accounts for the asia pacific region um that had uh, consequences for the us and in europe as well so I definitely, again, without playing to stereotypes, I think, you know, having a, a high emotional intelligence for relationships, yeah. not selling, not trying to be too aggressive, but actually yeah. listening and empathising with people, yeah. it did me, you know, really well in, in in an industry where people are just shouting.
0: Yeah, I mean, we actually were in a meeting. Um... I mean, I was in a meeting yesterday, and we were talking about kind of, um, you know, diversity affecting actually the the way people are recruiting and the way companies are recruiting. And not to be too stereotypical and put people in different boxes with different kind of emotional capabilities, etc. But, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, do you want that contingent business all the time? Um, do you want them kind of alpha, alpha males, alpha females that are just going to you know win win business odd spot business with loads of different clients or are you going to bring in people that have got that kind of level of um that kind of emotion to build relationships etc and it really really does go a long way when you know trying to bring on these long-term clients doesn't
1: it well that was sort of my mo that was my signature that as soon as i did business with a company that was it like that was it like you know that i i you know um the, the deals that I was able to strike people were sort of shaking their head going, how is she doing this? But I think being an outlier, being someone who'd come from a completely different like background and and mm. and the neuroscience and stuff. And I looked at things differently and it, and it, and you know, did really well. And I left S3 and joined a smaller boutique agency and okay. set up their engineering, um, uh, desk for them. Okay. They were an IT business. Um, and then um, basically family called. So my fam- my mum was quite ill while I was in Australia and I just started to think about, you know, the distance and the, the yeah. time, like like things like I'm asleep when they're awake and yeah those kinds of things. I, I just started to think about, I was having an amazing time, but um, you know, it was, it was time for me to, to be a bit closer to home
0: makes sense makes sense so what did you do when you returned home where did you go from there
1: so i joined um spencer ogden um which again like great company um but what i found i'd started to do and i had been doing this the whole time through s3 was i was working in like the nuclear space and and resources and and doing really well on the recruitment side but i would find that there were just gaps missing in like the toolkit that every recruiter needs to have to do well. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you would go and do a week's training in London or wherever you get sent yeah. and then you get back and you've got this workbook that doesn't actually help you be able to make the calls. Yeah. So
0: yeah.
1: I started putting together, not just training sessions, but, Understanding that there's more than one way to skin a cat. Maybe you don't need a training yeah. session. Maybe we just need better documents, better crib sheets, better yeah. templates, like better processes. Things that can just help automate and make things easier. So, I started working on things like that in my own time, like my yeah. evenings and weekends. I was thinking about how we can help, r- like new starters, yeah, absolutely. give them the best possible chance and actually give yeah. them the bits that I know is missing. Like if yeah. you keep getting people who are get, who keep getting stuck on the same thing, then something is clearly broken. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, so a friend at the time was like, Oh, well, you should get into training then. Yeah. And my first thought was I could never, Oh my God. Like <laughs> I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but like the training that I had sat through lovely people, really nice, But I was just like, I know what it's like to be really hungry. And I'm a smart person and just be like, this is pointless. I've got a million calls to make. I don't know how I'm meant to use this. And like you get on the phone to my clients and try this because I promise you it won't work. (laughs) So I got an opportunity with liquid personnel who were completely different. They were doing social care and health care um and um they were like okay so you've done neuroscience you've been a top biller if you could do you know ellen and and, and nd training how would you do it um and um it was great and there was an amazing uh again sort of key to to sort of the, the the main points in my career um amazing woman called Allison um who's a strong female leader in the in the recruitment industry and um yeah, like I had freedom to to start implementing new things and redesigning exactly. things and throw away the rule book to an extent in terms of yeah. how things had been done, yeah. and sure enough, the results came yeah. and i met
0: um i I know you said you had obviously worries about and knowing what it's like there to sit through the training and think this is this is a time waster. I think um, you'd obviously been so successful that I'm I'm sure your training was so you know coming from such a credible place from from the success that you'd had. How so at this point with Liquid was it a pure L&D role or were you still doing 360 and doing L&D or?
1: It was a pure L&D role and to be honest with you that credibility is something that I did worry about because if you've seen it with your own eyes, like if I had done LD at S3 or yeah. any of the other businesses where I was hands-on, you've got that credibility, whereas I was coming in and you kind of just have to take my word for it, yeah. that I was good <laughs> when I was on the phone. Yeah. So okay. the great thing about the program at Liquid was that it was delivered by me some of the time, but eventually I didn't actually deliver any of the training the training was delivered by people in the business who were doing the job and it was this really great cycle of the training would influence what happened on the sales floor but the realities of the sales floor would then influence the content so if something was working really well or if there was a change in the market or whatever like it was always relevant. The training was yeah. always relevant because it was always being delivered by people who were doing Makes the sense. job there and then.
0: Makes sense. Sounds sounds brilliant. And with that, um, I mean, I know you'd said um, in the past you'd had kind of issues of being in a dominated environment sometimes it worked for the better sometimes you know you, you had to put up with the comments etc what was it like going into the lnd role um and had you ch- had you found any more kind of challenges as a female up until that point or um
1: so i remember vividly my interview for that role and i remember going away from it thinking they hate me because i got absolutely demolished um <laughs> and Afterwards, the um, the guys who were interviewing me basically said, "Well, we had to do that because we had to know whether or not you'd be able to stand up for yourself." And in the training session, if you've got someone who's difficult who says, yeah. "I don't want to do it," you know, people like to challenge people in positions yeah. of authority. So we wanted to know if you could do it. And I actually had the the great fortune of working with um, one of the the founders of Liquid later on in my career. Okay. And what was really interesting is we had a conversation and in this conversation, we were talking about biases and he said um, with young, if if you are a young, attractive woman, he would be more likely to be tougher on you at interview because he wants to know that you can hack it and he wants to know that you've got what it takes from a character perspective and and, and point of view, which I thought was really interesting because I hadn't really thought about training as telling people what to do, but I guess there was a concern that if we bring in this outsider woman, who's going to tell us what to do and we need to do it differently. And that's not done properly and hasn't really been considered. Do I want to be seen as the nagging person who's sort of like, well, who's this person and I'm just going to listen to my director. So, um, luckily, like, thank God, like i didn't have any major problems with yeah. that um yeah. you know um the, the, again my character and i guess working in quite male-dominated uh, yeah. environments in the past prepped me well Absolutely. um and even the people who were delivering the training we had male and female trainers yeah. um and though there, there wasn't any any sort of pushback but i i yeah. know for sure there are businesses where like it, it would have been harder to go into yeah. an established business as a as a absolutely. woman and yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it is just that unconscious bias bit, isn't it? Um, you know, or or even like you said within that interview, him saying that they he perhaps would have grilled you a little bit harder to see if you would crack under the pressure as opposed to a male coming in and then potentially just. Willing him the same as anyone else
1: the assumption was because i appalled him on this and i said why specifically young and he specified attractive and and, and female like why and he said well because i would assume that their life has been easier up until that point, yeah, because, yeah. you know, like people would just be dying to do things for them. And I thought that was just <laughs> so interesting because I was looking at it like, really? <laughs> That's gonna be easier, but yeah. it just goes to show and having these conversations now, you you actually can start to get under the skin yeah, of yeah. Why things are the Absolutely.
0: way they are. fantastic. So if you don't mind me asking what was going on within um you know I always like to touch on kind of personal life as well as um work life because I know recruitment what I think um like you said earlier you know um I guess a, a, a 360 consultant is just as important as an admin and I I think when you're in recruitment no matter which job you're in you you still work the hours which aren't you know it's not 9 to 5 whether you're doing the admin out of hours or whether you're making calls out of all, out of hours so always like to understand what was going on with your personal life and you know what you kind of had time for and how you balance things etc
1: yeah so I mean as I said right at the start of my career I was kind of like I'm not really interested I just doing yeah. me you know I was having yeah. it was it was absolutely all about what my needs were um, and I thought it was really interesting so the guy that I was with at the time was telling me it was a scam and a pyramid scheme as soon as he saw my brand new company car get rolled off a truck outside the flat he got into recruitment he's a recruiter now literally still Um, and so he kind of got it at the time because he was obviously working you know really long hours but what i would say is particularly when i started getting to the point in my career where i was thinking about kids even being anywhere on the horizon, and you know, when I moved back to England, then I've always been really honest and put cards on the table with anyone that I interviewed with. And, um, I know that's not the done thing, but for me, women are different, but equal. So we're equal, but like, for all of the equality that we're fighting for, the biology is undeniable. We have to carry this thing. We've got to, you know, (laughs) we got to feed it. We've got to, you know, there's time to recover. So um, it does nobody any favors by pretending those differences don't exist. And the way that I see it, you know, I've always been upfront about asking an interview about maternity pay, maternity leave, because i'm serious about my career and i don't want to choose i'm sorry i don't want to choose men don't have to choose i don't want to have to choose and i've been really fortunate because i found a partner who's on the same page so he's asking about enhanced paternity and paternity leave because without him on board i'm going to be the one stuck holding the baby and so it's something that i don't think gets it's not just doesn't get talked about I don't know we we necessarily think it through that your choice of partner is actually really important for your career in terms of like yeah. you know who's, who's who's expected to do the cooking and the cleaning and the shopping and the yeah. you know that, that and the other like if it's not equal at home it's you're gonna find it a lot harder yeah. to equal you know outside wow. of the home so I know that it's scary, but the way that I always think about these conversations and what I tell myself is that I shouldn't be squirming for bringing it up. Yeah. The other person should be squirming if they've not considered it or it's something they don't think about. Like that's, it shouldn't be awkward for for me because you can't work as if you've not got kids. You can't raise your kids as if you don't work. So I basically, have conversations with them. And this is like my approach. The conversation yeah. I have is I don't want to choose you. You know, men don't have to choose. I'm serious about my career. Let's talk about measures of success that don't revolve around number of hours that don't revolve around uh, location that revolve around quality over quantity. yeah, And trusting people, and women specifically to manage their own time. And let me tell you, it takes a brave person, man or woman to actively disagree with those statements, to (laughs) sit there and go, no, I like, so I've been very forward about this is what I expect. And if you don't agree, you have to say the words, you have to actively disagree that I don't deserve equal opportunity. So, what a lot of people do is don't have the conversation then the status quo is the default and then you've got to ask above and beyond and i just make sure going into any business that no the default is i don't want to have to choose how are you going to support me i don't want to have this conversation when i'm hormonal and vulnerable i want to talk to you about it because i'm committed and serious about my career and yeah if you want to sit there and tell me that you don't think that I should have that then, you
0: know Yeah. Yeah. So me and you spoke about this um obviously prior to prior to recording the podcast and it it really kind of um I guess opened my eyes to it because I think I think sometimes females see it's not a negative but they see the fact that they're going to want maternity at some point as a negative and they're afraid to ask for it and afraid to ask if that's in place because of the way it's going to be perceived but I love the way that you said that you position it um, and actually confirms that you're really serious about your career and you don't want to have to choose between the two as opposed to it might be you know, I think people fear that it's perceived as, oh, I'm going to want all this time off a little bit later on down the line. So, um, yeah, love the way that you position it, and yeah, you're exactly right. And um, if anyone disagrees, then yeah, they're they're disagreeing that you don't get the the kind of equal. Yeah, and like, and
1: to say it and look me in the whites of my eyes is a lot harder than let's yeah. hope that I think what happens now is let's hope that she never mentions it. And yeah. then you know, when you're in a position where you maybe you already pregnant or you're trying for you know for um to get pregnant it's it's a lot in you know it's a very emotional conversation you're having and it shouldn't be emotional it should be a really rational logical explanation and a lot of business owners that i know in recruitment are dads um you know so you know they don't they don't have to choose so it's it's no exactly exactly and and i and i think in talking about it and raising it you're demonstrating that you're serious about your career, that this isn't something that you're just going to do. I think uh, the, the fear a lot of people have is, oh, we're going to lose this person. We're going to invest yeah. and train her and then she's going to go off and we're going to lose our investment. Yeah. If you boil it down, I think that's what a lot of people yeah. think. Whereas if you have the conversation up front, which is I'm not going anywhere. Why would I want to go anywhere? if yeah. we're having the conversation i think we're having which is that i can do really well and add lots of value yeah. and i can also have a family yeah. those two absolutely. things aren't mutually exclusive
0: absolutely and so you said you bring this up at interview how has that been how has that been responded to in, in interviews has it always gone well for you have you had them people that have you know squirmed or
1: I can only speak from personal experience, but 100% of the time it's been extremely positive because what's Perfect. actually happening is they've gone, Oh, well, we've got, you know, statutory in place. We've not really thought about it. And what they've done is they flipped it back on me, you know, to deflect. So they've gone, well, what would you be thinking? Yeah. And so it's actually put me in control in terms yeah. of being able to design what I would, what I would want. So, you know one one place offered me you know 12 months um yeah. you know uh maternity but with like okay we'll give you full pay for this section and then okay. we'll start transitioning you back for this section and yeah this is how it will work you know after that um so it's actually given me a lot of flexibility to be able to talk to them and, and yeah. in the same way that you would in any recruitment call objection handle yeah, it's a dialogue. It's a case of it's not what I want. OK, so this is what's important to me. Are there a set number of hours you would want me to be available yes. or a certain, you know, core hours that I can be available for. But the rest of the time I can be flexible because, yeah. again, you're showing willing. It's not about I'm not trying to get away with having a baby and getting yeah. paid for it. I want to be, actually be able to to work. So, yeah involving them in it um has meant that actually yeah i've made a lot of people very jealous in the past with like yeah, some of the factors I imagine, that i've yeah. managed to secure for myself and that's just because i i made the first move that's why
0: absolutely fantastic no i um, i think that's i think that's great and i think it will you know people that listen to this as well it'll give them confidence to do the same thing um so And yes, to
1: have someone yeah no one's no one's yelled at me. No one's told me that I'm being unreasonable. Nobody yeah. said no. You know, even the people who don't have things in place have said, you know, it's not something we have at the moment. But if it's important to you, yeah, l- let's have a discussion about it. So yeah, I would just say, yeah, I've not had any negative response from it so far.
0: Great, great. Okay. Um. So going back to the career journey, then talk me through. Um. I guess from, from liquid to, to where you are now and setting up your own business.
1: Yeah. So, um, I left liquid and, um, joined, um, a, a another firm called talent. Um, and very quickly, um, I established that, you know, the organizational development piece and the systems and processes almost like right at the start of my training career, when I realized it wasn't always about training, maybe you need a process. Yeah, um, I started to get really interested in not just how do we close the gap, but there must be ways to create high performance cultures like that are baked in that I've got psychology baked in a bit yeah. of Darren Brown esque like nudge theory like there must be a way to just create an environment where you can't fail that everything's yeah. sort of in place. And so I, became chartered uh, with the CIPD for organizational design and development. Um, And then in the midst of all of that, I got chartered and the guys who set up liquid um, had then set up an investment company um, with their riches. And they basically said, you know, I'd helped them um, sell their business for lots and lots of money. Could I do that for other recruitment businesses and come in and help design these real, you know, really great um businesses where people would just make lots of money? Yeah, yeah. That's my job, is just like help people make yeah. lots of money. So um I said yes. Um unfortunately, three months into that, um, one of the founders decided that actually it wasn't for him. Um okay. And that was COVID times, right. so I was kind of like, oh my God, what am yeah. I gonna do? Yeah. And um, the guys were were amazing in supporting me and they basically said, you know, based on what they'd seen firsthand, like you said about the credibility of being on the phone, yeah. what they'd seen firsthand, what I, the impact I could have on a business, the things that I started to create for them, they were like, yeah. now's the, now's your time, Mal. Start yeah. up your own business. and. I was kind of like me now, I can't, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done anything. And they're like, no, you have, you do like, come on. And so, yeah, um, I, um, yeah, decided that that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and yeah, that's 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 where I am. That's where you find me.
0: Fantastic. And talk me through your business at the moment then. So what, what does it offer? So,
1: it offers four things at the moment so the first is sales training because it's what i know it's my bread and butter um like i say i'm i've seen recruitment training which is still like from the 80s or 90s and what i've seen more so is you know Training where it's you have to say it this way, say this, and yeah. say it in this way. And if that's not your style of sales and that's just not how you talk, it's yeah. really stressful and it can make you doubt, you know, that you're good enough. Yeah. Um, and um, so I, I was like, no, we're redoing, we're redoing sales training where it's about yeah. understanding the psychology of decision making and influencing people and just giving people tools to be able to have their own brand of sales that sounds authentic so we do sales the second thing that i do is leadership training because again i think specifically in recruitment but generally we tend to promote people who are very very good billers or good at their jobs into management positions and we don't give them any of the tools they need to manage people Um, so they get very good at managing kpis and numbers and not very good at managing people. And so uh, I've got um, a whole service around leadership. The third is around at the risk of doing myself out of a job, train the trainer, because internally, I think having someone in your business who can design solutions for your business, deliver them in an engaging way, can evaluate them and like actually talk pounds and pence as opposed to just, Oh, you click through these videos and here's a checklist. Like, what does that mean? So I've got a service on that. But by far and away, the runaway part of my business has been around diversity and inclusion, believe it or not. Um, Because um, I think in the wake of Me Too, um, Black Lives Matter, um, a lot of people are talking about diversity and inclusion and no one really knows what to do though like yeah people are worried about you know cancel culture i've got people worried that i can't say anything i'm gonna get my head bit off people saying they're woke or pc so my diversity and inclusion i do talks about the neuroscience of it
0: yeah
1: um and i offer training that's based around you know Let's be honest about the fact that there are cons to diversity yeah. as well as pros, you know, we talk about culture fit, let's have an honest conversation about what diversity and inclusion is and what it isn't and the business cases for it. Let's talk about the legalities of it, you know, cause a lot of people are sailing very close to positive discrimination. I know you're trying to do yeah. the right thing, but like, we've got to be aware of the law how to challenge and be challenged so if you feel as though you know you're not comfortable whether you're the person calling someone out or whether you're the person being called out that's a very emotional like place that you're both in um so training around how to move that from an emotional place to a logical one
0: yes
1: and then the last one is around how to um increase diversity for your clients and in the supply chain yeah. at, in at large so you know particularly i know in tech lots of businesses and, and in engineering want you know um want increased diversity so it's about how you can evidence what you're doing is coming from a, a genuine place not just yeah. uh, you know brand exercise so i do training um i do short courses long courses and then there's also the organizational development piece so if people want me to go into their business and basically just do the whole thing for them i can do that as well
0: fantastic i mean it sounds like um it sounds like covid perhaps came at the right time for you to you know be able to utilize and leverage all all the experience that you've got and put it into you know into your own business um, if if anyone listening wants to get in contact with you about um, you know your business and the services that that you offer, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, so um, reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can drop me an email. Uh, so my email is mel at instinct-performance.co.uk. Um, um, but yeah, Instinct Performance is on LinkedIn. Um, and our website is instinct-performance.co.uk.
0: Fantastic. Um, so I guess to to round the podcast um, off then, love to hear about, um, I love how open and honest you are about the journey that you've had um, as a female, you know, asking for maternity packages, you know, before even being, you know, something that's in the near future, I guess. Um, how would you or what tips would you give to um, an aspiring female within the recruitment industry in order to you know to to aid success
1: um so i've got three three things that i would say um to them so the first is if i could go back in time i would tell myself fear isn't a good enough excuse so fear on its own is not a good enough excuse not to push for things because I was paralyzed by the fear of rejection, what if they say no, or the fear yeah. of failure, what if I go for it and then like, I end up making myself look stupid um, and nobody is keeping score. I promise you, no one is keeping score. So yeah. don't let fear on its own just limit you and stop you yeah. from finding out how good you really are. I would say number two, compete with yourself, not with other people. Like as long as you are progressing and you're learning and you're getting better then you're winning people will respect you an awful lot more if you you know maybe put yourself out there and you go god that didn't work right yeah you know onto the next one and move on then if you just play it so safe and you're doing the bare minimum that you don't yeah. make any progress at all yeah absolutely. and the last thing i would say just you know i talked about it when i was talking about Maternity, but just in general, whether it's a promotion or, you know, whatever it is, always make the first move for the things that you want. Don't wait for them to come up because you're on the front foot then. And as a follow up to that, if you don't get the answer you want, find out what needs to happen. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people don't ask because they say, well, what if I don't get it? What if I say I want a promotion and they go, no, you know, you're not ready. Yeah. Then they're crushed. That's just the start of the conversation. Like I would say, if you don't get the answer you want, okay, what needs to happen? What do we need to have in place? What do I need to do? Where do we go from here? I think that's just the biggest thing of all always make the first move and don't yeah. be frightened of, of not getting the answer you want you can still yeah. get so much from just having that conversation
0: absolutely fantastic well I think there's some great great tips there um, and I guess proofs in the pudding with you know making the first move and, and what you've discussed about just simply asking about the maternity packages um for yourself Um so Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, it's been brilliant having you. Um, and yes, I'll also pop a link in the um, info for the episode to perhaps your website and your email address for anyone that perhaps didn't have, have time to write it down. Whilst were saying. <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, thank you for being on the podcast, Mel thank you for having me that's all right um so for um to the listeners please like and subscribe to the podcast and share um this episode with anyone that you think will benefit from hearing Mel's story um and I will be back next week on the next episode of who runs the rec world thanks for listening guys bye